Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Are you protected? I'm not asking you if your car insurance is up to date. I'm not trying to sell you any life insurance. But are you protected? I'm not going to go one by one and ask if it's been two weeks after your second vaccine shot to, to see if you're protected enough. Today, Jesus tells us how we are protected. There are all kinds of dangers in this world, and Jesus is about to leave his disciples, and for a while it might feel like they are all alone. Satan and his work in this world is going to be so pervasive. The sinful culture of this world is going to be so destructive. Perhaps you know people who are, are going to come up with new challenges in their life, maybe with graduation coming up. You have a son or a daughter or a niece or a nephew who is getting ready to perhaps move to a different city and be less connected potentially to a church than they once were. Perhaps you find yourself in this situation now. All of us probably have people that we're praying for. Praying for spiritual or physical protection. Today, we not only hear about people praying for us, but we have Jesus praying for us. And Jesus is praying for us and promising that he will keep us connected and protected. This is Jesus in the upper room where we found him the last few times we've gathered in, in the sermons. He's in the upper room and he's about to be betrayed by Judas. He's about to leave and then be arrested and killed on the cross the very next day. And Jesus begins to pray. But he doesn't pray for himself. Not yet. That'll happen in the Garden of Gethsemane. But now in here, in John chapter 17, he prays for his disciples. And this comes up about this time of, of year, about the, the seventh Sunday of Easter every year. We look at John chapter 17, and it breaks into three parts. So every three years, you get the whole thing in church. And this is the section of Jesus' high priestly prayer where he acts like a high priest who goes between the people and God and brings their prayers up to God. And today Jesus prays for his disciples that they would stay connected. He says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus wants his disciples to be connected to him and connected to each other, just as the Son is connected and united with the Father. Well, maybe not in every aspect. Uh, it'll be two weeks from now, we'll have Trinity Sunday, where we will get to ponder the mystery of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and how there are three persons and one God, and we'll never be connected in that kind of a way exactly. But Jesus wants us to be connected to him and connected to each other, just as the Father and the Son have the same desires and the very same will and the same knowledge, He wants His disciples to have the same knowledge through His Word, to have the same will, to have the same purpose, to be united. Now, of course, there, there are churches out there that look at this verse and say, Look how Jesus wants all the Christians to be completely united, and maybe they come at it and say, Well, that means we should just throw away doctrinal teaching differences or denominations and all just come together 
and work together because that's what Jesus ultimately wants us to do. But we see in Jesus' own words how much he cares about unity, but he also cares about truth. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Jesus wants us to be just as serious about working together as he is about first believing the same things together. To be set apart by the truth that he gives us. So here is Jesus praying for his people. We are connected by the truth of his word. We too have this goal and unity around the belief in everything that God says. But Christians are also connected by their citizenship. We're not connected to each other because we are Americans or because we're, we're Minnesotans, although maybe you hear that a lot lately. Minnesotans, we can do this together, but Jesus gives us something much better than that. Primarily, we're citizens of heaven. We're part of the kingdom of God. Sadly, sometimes we don't act like citizens of a different kind of kingdom, but we're pulled into the kingdom that Jesus often talks about as the kingdom of this world. A world of people who are thinking primarily first of themselves and how they can get ahead, and a kingdom that's controlled by Satan using whatever means possible to pull people away from Christ. Our non-Christian culture has more influence than we probably think. It's subtle and it's dangerous. For the sake of tolerance, we might stop seeing sin as sin. Uh, because our culture is so relativistic that everybody can have their own truth, sometimes even Christians start to think, is Christianity really, truly the only way? Is truth that important, or is it all kind of fuzzy? For the sake of leisure, we devalue worship. For the sake of making enough money, we uh, give up on, on our family or staying connected to Jesus. For the sake of justifying ourselves, we can look for every excuse for saying why our sins or the hurtful things that we say don't, don't really count anyway. How has our sinful culture, this world, subtly begun to influence you? Jesus wasn't part of this world. He was completely sanctified. It's a word that gets used a lot in this section, sanctified. It's a word that means to make holy or to set apart for holy, special work. Jesus was sanctified and set apart. Yet he chose to leave that set-apart status of heaven and come and join our world and become part of our world. And even though he was tempted to become one of the world, he remained in the world, but not of the world, and didn't get tainted by the sinfulness of this world. And then he came and he pulled us out of this world and connected us to himself. And how does he do that? Well, he prays about that. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. By the power of the name of the triune God, Christ took us out of this world and brought us into a different kind of a citizenship and put us back into this world so that we could change the world through him. By the power of his name. Can you think of how that happened? By the word of God at baptism is certainly one example. As Jesus used God's holy name to bring you into his family, to give you a new name, a new purpose, a new will, to unite you to him. 
By the power of every revelation of God's word. That's what, that's what God's name is. Everything that's about him, his word has sanctified us and set us apart too. Because we are noticeably different and when we act noticeably different as Christians who have God's word, Jesus promises us that sometimes the world is going to hate us because our values are not aligned. Satan is going to be um, tracking us every step of the way to try and pull us off of the road to heaven. So we need protection. Jesus knew that we need protection. And that's the other thing he promises, isn't it? Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. Now Jesus was there to protect his disciples while he was on earth. In fact, he says that in verse 12, while I was with them, I protected them and I kept them safe. Think about how Jesus did that. His disciples were like sheep among wolves, yet he was the good shepherd who kept them safe, who could point out false teaching and false teacher, who could guide them in, in the correct ways, who could protect them from dangerous people. You think of some of the demon-possessed people who would come and just break chains and hurt people. And Jesus set them free instead. The people who might have seemed dangerous, the people who were leprous with infectious skin diseases coming toward the disciples, and Jesus walks toward them and heals them. He protected them. He protected all of his disciples, except for the one that was unwilling to live underneath his protection. It's not as if Jesus could not protect Judas. It's not as if Jesus messed up. I saved them all, ha, except for that one. Jesus wanted him to be saved, but Judas stubbornly refused. And, and God, in his omniscience, in his, his all-knowing power, he knew that that would happen. There's a prophecy in Psalm 41, and this happened. His, his close friend, someone he trusted, one who shared his bread, turned against him. Jesus promises to protect us, but he will never force you to become or remain a believer. We live in a dangerous world too. The disciples did. Most of them would die for this message that they would go out and preach about the resurrected and ascended Christ. Maybe for sometimes for us, it doesn't always seem like we have protection though. We might think of ascension and think Jesus is gone and he's out of the picture and now I'm on my own, right? No way. Absolutely not. Even though we live in a, in a world, maybe not in our country, but in a world where Christians are actively persecuted and killed, Jesus is still with them and he's with us. Even though we live in a world where there's sickness, loneliness, mental health challenges, war, and death, Jesus is not far off. God is here, just as he promised. I, I, I will be with you always. Jesus didn't leave us on our own, helpless and scared. Instead, we look at the last verse that, that we read today, verse 19. He promises to protect his disciples and his whole world. He says, for them, I sanctify myself, that they may be truly sanctified. We are going to be set apart as holy and special with a special job to do, but first Jesus had to sanctify himself. We might think, well, that doesn't make sense. He had to make himself holy. He's, he's, all, he's already holy. He doesn't need God to, to continue to rework this holiness inside of him. But when you think about setting aside for holy purposes, what was Jesus doing right then that night? He was sanctifying himself. His whole life 
was sanctifying himself, setting himself aside for holy purposes. He was the sacrificial lamb that was set aside and it was spotless and blameless. His life was set apart for a special purpose from God. And that purpose was to go to the cross so that he could die not only for this evil world set against Christ, but for us who keep on slipping into that evil world and being influenced by that evil world. You and I who so much need not only protection, but forgiveness. And that's what the sanctified Christ did. He set himself for all the years of his life aside for a work of holy service that was dying and rising for you so that we could be protected from the most dangerous thing of all, the righteous wrath of a holy father. And on the cross, Jesus took all of that wrath and anger over sin that was deserved and he took it upon himself, the one who didn't deserve it. He sanctified himself so that we would be truly sanctified. We might think that a good solution to protecting us in this world might be to take us out of this world, to get us to heaven as soon as possible. That would be a good way for you to keep us safe, Jesus. Well, Jesus, by his own words, disagrees <laughs> strongly. He prays to God and he prays against that. That's not the plan. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And how will he protect you? Primarily by his word. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. He uses that, that word written in this book and on our hearts to protect us from the evil one, from Satan with his lies and his accusation and this guilt that how could God forgive such a thing? He gives us his word of forgiveness, which erases our guilt. He protects us from spiritual harm with his word and sacraments. And he also promises to protect us from physical harm by sending his angels to watch over us. And even when he does let trial and suffering and physical harm and sickness come into our life, he promises to use that too for our eternal good. Sending his angels to watch over us. Through baptism, he takes us and makes us part of a new team, a new family. He gives us a new name. Uh, maybe you could think about it like this. Um, I was the oldest in my family. I don't know if I did a good job in this role or not, but, but maybe you weren't and you had the big brother that you just knew was going to stand up for you. There was a bully. He was going to come and take care of it because that's my little brother. We've got Jesus <laughs> as our big brother, and he has thoroughly defeated the, the most dangerous bully of all with Satan and, and the evil in this world. Maybe you have a dad who, who had your back and he was, he was strong and maybe when you were a kid you thought, nothing, nobody could beat my dad. We have a God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, moving all things in this world for our eternal good. Uh, maybe it felt really special for you when you were part of the team. Maybe it was a football team, basketball team. You put on that jersey and even though you weren't the coolest guy or, or the, the, the prettiest girl, you were in that group and you were part of them. And you felt very special because of that. We are part of something wonderful called the Holy Christian Church, this assembly of all believers on earth. And no matter what people see when they look at your face, the truth is that you're a child of God and no one can take that away from you. You are eternally connected and protected. 
So why doesn't Jesus just take us out of this world and bring us to himself in the glories of heaven? Why why doesn't he just do that? It's kind of a creepy situation back in college. Uh, My wife was going to a public university. She was living in the campus ministry house. She was a house fellow there helping out with campus ministry. And, and, And one night... Uh, a a kind of odd guy came in and was talking to the campus ministry students about Christianity and things like that, kind of playing devil's advocate and asking challenging questions. And at one point he said, well, if Christians, when they die, they're going to go to heaven and be with Jesus and it's going to be wonderful, right? Right? Well, why, why, why don't we just kill all the Christians and just uh, let, them, let them go to heaven right away? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be better? And thankfully, it didn't escalate any farther than that. Just a, a series of, of strange questions. But why doesn't God just take us out of this world, rapture us up, and, and, leave, and leave the unbelieving world on its own? Well, that's the answer, isn't it? Because he's not going to leave the unbelieving world on its own. Because Jesus was sent with a mission from God, a mission to rescue and redeem this world. He was sanctified and set apart for that mission, for that plan. Verse 18 says, As you, Holy Father, have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Jesus did his part of the work beautifully and perfectly, saving and redeeming and rescuing this world, leaving nothing else for us to do other than tell about him. And he's even going to do all the hard work. The Holy Spirit's even going to do all the work of changing people's hearts when we share the news. But we just get to be people who, who share the good news, who share the story. God isn't going to take us out of the, this world until he's ready for us, and then he will. But he's not just going to take us in mass out of this world because he wants us to be here so that we can share the word. I've sent you into this world, but it's dangerous. Yeah, it's okay. I'll protect you. I'll be with you. We're in the season of the year where high school graduations are starting up pretty soon. College graduations have happened. When I've been over at the Beacon, I've seen people walking around in their cap and gown and getting pictures taken. Young Christians going off into a world that we may think sounds dangerous. And it is, because the culture is so different. It's not aligned with our Christian values. And that's why as we send them off, we have Wells churches throughout the entire country. (laughs) I've got um, some tips in the bulletin insert. Maybe it's helpful for you. Maybe it's something you can share with someone you know and love about how to help college students connect, really not only to campus ministry, but also just, just to church wherever they land or maybe as they're here. And one of the most important things is to simply for, for parents or people that are helping them move in, to go that weekend to church with them <laughs> so, so that it's very easy to know where you're going so that it's not scary to come back again a week later. So we've been working on advice for that kind of thing as we go out into the world. And we've got more tips on our, on our Beacon Campus Ministry, Mankato Campus Ministry website too. But whatever stage you're in, whether, whether you have people in your life who are going out into the world in a different way or just continuing to live right here in the world, where you always have. We're all in this together. Citizens of heaven together who are here in this world on a short trip telling about the place we get to go back to so others can come with us. 
There are a lot of things that we can do to protect ourselves here on earth. But Jesus protects us, body and soul, by connecting us to himself through his word and sacraments. He is praying for you. You think about, what is Jesus up to now? Well, read through John chapter 17, and you can imagine him there praying for you as he did then, and continuing to do for you now. The Holy Spirit's praying for you, and you don't know the words to say. He's bringing that perfect up to God the Father. The ascended Lord of the church is ruling all things for his church. At the right hand of God, this position of power. So have courage. Have, as Jesus prayed for, the full measure of joy that Jesus gives, because you are connected and protected by Jesus. Amen.